Good morning. This is the weekly wrap for Saturday, January 27th. Well, the corn market was up a penny for the week, closing at 4.46. Beans were down four cents, closing at 12.09. Wheat was up seven in Chicago, closing at six dollars, and in up 16 in, in Kansas City, closing at 6.24. Cotton was up four tenths of a cent, closing at 84.37. Crude oil had the big week, closing up $4.80 a barrel, closing at $78.09, and the U.S. dollar was up a modest 0.17 points, closing at $103.29. Managed money continued their selling spree in corn and beans, selling another 4,700 contracts, putting them short, 265,000 contracts of corn now. In beans, they were sellers of 15,000 contracts moving their short now to 91,000 contracts. And in wheat, they were modest buyers back of 3,700 contracts, but their net position is still short 133,000 contracts. And in cotton, they were strong buyers of cotton, buying 26,000 contracts for the week, moving their position from a small short to long 24,000. This will have been the 10th consecutive week of managed money sales in the grain complex as a whole. That is a new record. The size of the positions continue to be a record for this time of year. So even though they're not records for the overall uh, positions uh, individually, but they are a record in the combined sense of wheat, corn, and uh, uh, beans. They've never been this short combined ever. So there is uh, continued massive speculator selling in the grain complex. Export sales for the week for corn were okay. They were weak for beans quite strong for corn and mediocre for cotton. Moving over to the macro picture, the Federal Reserve got some more positive data on the PCE, that is the inflation metrics that they prefer the most, that is the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. It showed a small, modest jump to 2.9%, but it was the lagging indicators, the six-month and the three-month are coming down fast. Those indicators are at 1.9% and 1.5%. Um, and so basically here in the next few months, we're going to have inflation under 2%. And that's been the Fed's target all along. We uh, got some manufacturing PMI uh, that was stronger than expected at 50.3. Services PMI was at 52.9. Again, stronger than expected and the U.S. jobs market remains really quite strong, according to the government data, which is getting harder and harder to trust these days. But the net result is, is that the market is moving out the time frame for the first rate cut. Remember, we had in December priced in an 85% probability that our first cut would happen in March. That has now dropped to 50%, and the first rate cut has now been moved to May, pushing that percentage above 50%. So right behind all of that, it's it's maybe possible that the market has overpriced rate cuts. Remember, they're looking for about five different cuts. The Fed has only indicated three. Moving over to China, their stock market continues to be in freefall. It's in wholesale collapse. It's now down at levels not seen since 2009, as concerns are starting to build that they're in a deflationary spiral. The S&P here in the United States has made record highs. Uh, the uh, Their stock market is at record lows, so this is the widest spread ever recorded between U.S. and Chinese stock market. Um, the Chinese Federal Reserve equivalent has responded with cuts in interest rates, 
and cuts in reserve bank requirements by 50 points. That is uh, all designed to free up capital. Banks, uh, this this move in, in lowering the reserve requirements should free up, according to their data, $130 billion worth of stimulus. They're also looking to tap into uh, another tool that would release $280 billion. So they're uh, desperately uh, trying their best to, to re-stimulate their economy that has been racked with a very weak housing market and a very slow response coming out of COVID. Not surprising when you have totalitarian lockdowns of, of people for two straight years. You shouldn't be surprised that they're not willing to just jump right out and spend money. They don't trust the system yet, and they're just not uh, in a situation where they've got a lot of money to spend. Uh, the weak demographics are not helping. Uh, their population is shrinking pretty quickly. Uh, some have highlighted the fact that President Xi has eliminated so many of his competitors, both politically uh, and in the business world, that he's literally the emperor has no clothes. No one's willing to tell him any bad news until it happens. And so, you know, you can expect more volatility uh, related to Xi and his lockdown and the poor running of his country. Uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict continues to grind on, but the narrative is shifting from support for Israel uh, in defending themselves against the Hamas terrorists uh, to now a humanitarian crisis that is growing in Palestine. Um, and, and so now they, we're seeing the world slowly turn on Israel and changing their view on how aggressive Israel should get. The main sticking point remains the hostages. Israel said they will continue to grind away and will not allow Palestinian to be a free state or allow Hamas to run that um, until they all their hostages have been released. Hamas has refused. So I don't expect any improvement in conditions on the ground there. Earlier in the week, Israel declared that Iran is now a legitimate target for missile strikes. Remember, that's the key sort of differentiating factor is that uh, right now there haven't been necessarily direct strikes by Israel into Iran, but that is about to change. And so I do think that eventually you're going to see this war escalate to more direct strikes in Iran that should provide possibly a lot more fuel for volatility in the oil markets. The Ukraine-Russian uh, conflict continues to grind on. Uh, Ukraine appears to quietly uh, and sadly lose, be losing that war. It is a war of attrition through personnel and uh, ammunition, and political support for that is, continue, is starting to wane. We've talked about that over the last several months. Um, and, and it looks like Ukraine may be getting a touch more de desperate. They're striking deeper into Russia with uh, this week striking in a major oil facility. Uh, and we're worried now that if they end up, looks like they're getting, if they lose this conflict, will Ukraine get more desperate and, and strike, you know, deeper in and or more politically sensitive targets within Russia? Time will tell. In the Middle East continues to grind on. The Houthi rebels, who are pretty stealthy, small force, have now fired on a U.S. ship on Friday that was carrying um, some crude oil uh, for Russia. Uh, they also are fired on a UAE, a United Arab Emirate storage facility, lighting that on fire. They are continuing drone strikes on U.S. military assets and they're firing on more ships, forcing them to redirect it around Africa. So that conflict is not going down. It is interesting that uh, economic aid for Biden was on, went on national news uh, saying on Friday that he is not expecting a large price shock after Houthi strikes. 
Um, you know, that it, 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 it begs the question if you had to comment on it, uh, you know, is it real? The answer is no. Of course, the market is getting more and more concerned about the elevated levels of conflict there, uh, as evidenced by crude oil being up almost $5 a barrel on the week. Uh, as far as another political crisis that seems to be brewing, it's right here at home in the United States with the Texas border crisis. Uh, on January 22nd, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of federal government on public lands. Um, that sort of uh, took, uh, sort of kicked off a conflict between a state and federal rights to secure a border. Um, it wasn't necessarily anything in a landmark decision, but it did reignite the debate. Texas has um, continued to defy the federal government's request to back off on border security. Uh, and prompting a letter by Governor Abbott to um, sending to the government, to the federal government, saying that they have failed in their duties to protect the, the border and that they assert their right to protect their uh, state with uh, an individual. They have the individual right to protect their border, regardless of what the federal government says. Uh, this has spurred support from other states. <clears throat> so since yesterday, 25 states have pledged their support for Texas with many sending their own National Guard members to Texas to support the cause. And there's really <clears throat> no political sort of uh, implication that will affect the markets other than just sort of a, maybe a lack of confidence here. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it means for the markets, um, but it does mean that the political season related to the uh, presidential elections is off to a rip-roaring start here. As you know, it, it seems like there are, are more and more conflicts brewing now, unfortunately, within the United States. Uh, diving over to U.S. Uh, crop markets here, U.S. planted acres for next year. Estimates are starting to come out. Farm Futures and S&P Global have come out with estimates roughly indicating that corn acres nationally would be down by 2 million, that bean acres would be up by 2 million. These are not big switches. Uh, earlier in the year, we were talking about maybe a, a bigger switch of three to four million acres when new crop beans were closer to $13. These are not going to be big movers of the balance sheet other than you're going to start to see some estimates with big carryouts for next year based on record yields. That's how we always start. We always start with a 180 corn yield. We always start with a 52 bushel bean yield. And these targets are less and less likely to get hit with the volatility that we're seeing in the weather, regardless of what the trend line yields are saying, they are slowly rolling over here. South American weather continues to now flip in uh, as the La Nina, El Nino is breaking down over to La Nina. Uh, the weather models are indicating a dryness in Argentina uh, and more wetness in the eastern part of Brazil, and but continued dryness in the western part of Brazil. But at this point, the market is so numb with the price action that the weather in South America just doesn't matter. Brazil has harvested about 7% of their crop in the northern areas with pretty poor results so far. But the market is considering that to be the dry area and pretty soon we'll get into the better beans. Cash basis levels in Brazil have fallen hard. That has also contributed to the softening of the price action in beans, but they have stabilized toward the end of the week here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Crop estimates continue to range widely in Brazil between 140 and 155, uh, 140 million metric tons and 155. Remember, we started the year at 165. The USDA is right now at 157. I would say, but the bulk of estimates are starting to work their way down into the 40s, so the USDA continues to lag 
the trade on their bean estimate. Same thing on the corn estimate. Uh, the USDA pulled it down to 127 on corn, but the trade is hovering between 110 and 115. Argentina crops continue to look really quite good, and so that market remains sort of uh, uh, ambivalent to the idea of South uh, Brazil losses with such large Argentinian. Uh, again, but the, all these narratives are being supported by price action alone. It's, there's no doubt that we've lost 15 million metric tons of beans in Brazil, but it, be, it could be closer to 25 or 30 in the final analysis. We just won't know for a couple more months. There's no doubt that we've lost 15, now maybe almost 20 million metric tons of corn. Again, but the USDA and the trade won't uh, have the hard numbers on that for several months. So it, it just sort of lays in the background here. China, for all their problems economically, are... Ironically, importing record amounts of sorghum, barley, wheat, corn. December imports were almost record high for corn, crude oil, and natural gas. So for all the talk of China not doing very well, their numbers are refuting uh, that in, in the form of record imports of all these commodities. So where is the conclusion here? From a marketing standpoint here, funds are sitting on now record combined short position corn, beans, and wheat. And that has been the dominant feature of the market uh, over the last three to four months, no question about it. We have normal seasonals that are bullish. That has not happened with the fund selling. But remember, it has taken record amounts of selling to get these markets pinned down to where they are. And they are selling more and with less and less effect on the price. So we're, it feels like to me we're getting relatively close to the extent of the fund selling. But it doesn't mean that they will immediately flip. It just means they're having less of an effect on the market, especially with the size of the positions they have on. But remember, over the last three to four months, global stocks-to-use ratios, for the most part, have not improved. They're not getting better in corn once the USDA properly dials in the losses of safrina corn. They have not gotten better in beans once the U.S. dials in the losses in Brazil, the full losses. They have not gotten better in wheat. They have not gotten better in cotton or rice. The only place that where the, the supply and demand balance sheets have gotten better are in the U.S. on corn. They have not gotten better on wheat or beans or rice on U.S. inventories, and they have not gotten better on cotton. In fact, we're lower than the last couple years on cotton. And so if you look at the big picture, this is, in my opinion, for the most part, a sentiment-driven sell-off by managed money. We've talked about how they have an, an over uh, exertion of the markets. They have a higher influence on the market based on the size and the amount of money flowing through our markets now. Managed money and speculators and algorithms have a disproportionately larger impact on the markets now than they've ever had. I would argue that the psychology and the sentiment is bordering on record low levels right now. Farmers are exhausted. Traders are exhausted. I'm exhausted. I know you are. And uh, these type of sentiment readings, uh, there's an actual sentiment reading out there that, that agrees with all of this. These sentiment uh, readings at these low levels oftentimes are indicative of a low or the, the process of forming a low. I think we're getting very close. I think over the next few weeks, we will confirm that. 
So from a technical perspective on pricing and marketing, right now for corn, 460 is resistance. If we get through that, then technically the market will reverse. I think we ultimately then race to $5 in pretty short order. That has been my target for several months. We just seem so far away right now. It doesn't seem realistic. But I do think that these markets are getting close to a major turn. So I do believe that we'll get to $5 by the end of the first quarter. Ultimately, my target is between $5 and $5.50 for additional marketing, but time will tell. So we got to get through $4.60, ultimately running up to testing that $5. The next technical resistance area is $5.37, where there's a gap in the daily chart. That may not happen until after March. For beans right now, the range is this. We're trading, I think, between $11.80 as support. 1250 as resistance that will be the range uh, as we defined over the next few weeks but ultimately the, the the target that i'm looking for is the gap left in the chart on the way down at 1296 so for those of you with some beans to market i'm not interested in doing any selling until we get a lot closer to 13 but longer term my targets absolutely remain closer to the 14 to 15 dollar mark on beans once the realization of the scale of these losses in Brazil are formalized and we get done with the bulk of Brazilian harvest, that's where we're headed. Wheat, my target still remains $7.50 in Chicago, $8 in Kansas City. Those are targets for in this March time frame again. And then longer term, uh, my, my targets are closer to $9 on wheat. For cotton, we did that uh, audio update here. My immediate target is 89.50 on the March contract. So just underneath that, 88.50, uh, 89, somewhere in that area, go ahead and get marketed up to 50%. Uh, but I still have that as major resistance. Ultimately, at this point, uh, I think there's a reasonable probability that we get through that resistance area, <clears throat> ultimately testing a dollar, a dollar one, where there's a gap in the chart that would be a longer term target either on the May or the July contract. Okay, that's the update. Remember, these are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon.